0: Welcome to Pro's Tinted Glasses. I'm Katie. I'm Bailey. And today we're bringing chaos.
1: So much chaos. Uh, We have a very loose plan and I'm using the definition of loose very loosely here. (laughs) This this is like an overcooked noodle level of wiggly. (laughs) That's such a good, it puts such a picture in my head. Uh, we both
0: have been a little brain fried lately, so we decided to do uh, a loose episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not not enough thoughts going on in the head, so we're just going to catch the ones that we can and um, display them for you, and congratulations for, for getting to witness it.
0: Yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I, did type a, I, uh, I did type some things up for this episode, but I also get the feeling that due to that, things might get away from us even more than normal.
1: Which I love, which I'm so excited for. I, I would like to see the limits of what we are able to achieve personally. Until you have to edit down like three and a half hours
0: of content.
1: No, no, it'll be fine. I can't imagine we're going to go for that long, mostly because I'm going to get hungry and want dinner. Yeah. So. <laughs> and my water bottle is not
0: full, so we are limited by the, the biological needs of our, our flesh bags. Stupid flesh bags. <laughs> so one of the things that we want to talk about today is uh, anticipated reads coming up. Uh, I think it started out as fall and then we got to looking at stuff coming out and we're like, nope, it's just every book we want to read ever. Good luck.
1: <laughs> it is It is mostly confined to through the end of the year with one exception that absolutely deserves to be there. So... um. I typed them in in order of emotional importance and Katie
0: reordered them by release (laughs) date, which I think says something about us
1: (laughs) as individuals. Okay, what I think it says is that you had already written some and I was just adding mine to the end of the list because I was the second one to the Notion page. And I was like, well, like there's no discernible reason of like... Like, Bailey's on top and I'm on bottom, but we had some overlap, and I was like, I, I actually first did think about rearranging based on how excited I was, but I was like, but I don't want to speak for both of us. Um, and then I, I noticed in particular three of the books that I'm excited about had the same date, and I was like, we should talk about them together. So anyway, sorry for undoing any progress that no, you had. that's okay. I still know which ones matter to me, in my heart. Okay, good. Um, I guess we can just go by release date then.
0: Well, you honestly also reminded me of some that I would have ranked differently had I
1: remembered they existed. See, you so, know, the assignment wasn't done anyway, so I just exactly. changed the assignment. Teamwork makes the dream work. Always. So the first time I put, I actually didn't know that this was coming out, um, but I was just Googling, like, what books are coming out for the rest of the year. And this one surprised me. It, it, it is called The Kiss Curse. And it is a sequel to The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, and it comes out on September 20th. Uh, And we both enjoyed The X-Hex, so I was very excited by that. The X-Hex was one of my most surprising reads of the year that I read it, because Mm -hmm. I didn't
0: expect to like it as much as I did. And so I'm super excited to learn that there is a follow-up. And when you open the Goodreads page, it says, Welcome to Spooky Season, which is perfect, because I was like, needing a spooky season read and didn't know where to start this year so it's gonna be the kiss curse on the 20th for sure
1: yay well that's good I, I mean as we all know spooky season started in my heart in like august um and then officially in my opinion on august 30th when starbucks came out with their fall drinks so corporate overlords do determine things like that <laughs> I did order some like uh some Halloween stuff from TJ Maxx and they sent me all the wrong stuff, but it took me so long to actually open the box that now it's just like not really worth going through the hassle of trying to return it. Like I ordered a really cute um like doormat with bats on it and I just got this like generic ass plaid doormat. <laughs> um but now it's, it's a, now it's my back doormat, so it's that's fine. so
0: disappointing. I'm sorry.
1: Oh uh, yeah. I was pretty sad, but at least now I have the X-Hex sequel. Yes. What more could you need? Just a, a fun
0: witchy novel with a little bit of romance. Other than many more books, I couldn't need anything more. Well, I mean, the need for books is, is endless.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's September 20th. So, coming up really quick. Uh, and then September 27th. Uh, we have three books that we are looking forward to coming out. So it's going to be a really big day. Yes. Two of which I forgot about. So <laughs> I included The Winners
0: by Frederick Bachman. Shout out to Nicole for letting me know that that existed. Um, it's the third book in the Bear Town series, which we had strong-armed our entire group into reading, essentially, because we loved mm-hmm. Bear Town so much. Uh, and this will be the third one. And I'm very excited. I didn't... I struggled with the middle of the second one. I felt like it was a bit slow, so I'm hoping the third one kind of fixes that.
1: Yeah, so y'all recommended Baritown to me, which I loved, and that kind of kicked off my love for Frederick Bachman generally. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, Anxious People is still one of my favorite reads from the last few years, and i I'll be honest, I did not read the second one in be- the second Beartown book because they they like hint that one of them's going to die and I like couldn't emotionally handle if my fave was the one that was going to die. Um so I didn't read the second one, but I will go back and read it now in anticipation of the third one. Um maybe I maybe I'm in a slightly better emotional state than I was the first time around.
0: Yes. And the third one is The Golden Enclaves by Naomi Novik, which is the third Deadly Education book.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, which uh, Bailey and I are like feral over. That's okay. I I was just going to circle back. I can edit out where you said the third one. No, leave it in. It's chaos. (laughs) Okay. You're right. It is chaos. Hang on one <laughs> we were feral
0: over the Deadly Education books. It cannot be understated. Overstated. Like,
1: overstated. Yeah. Yeah. Um n- like I cannot fully put into words the witchcraft that Naomi Novak has when it comes to cliffhangers. Like she puts something special in those cliffhangers because They, like, I really like the books, and then the cliffhanger just, like, is, like, a dagger to my heart every time. And so this is supposed to be the end of a trilogy, right? If she ends this with a fucking cliffhanger, I'm going to find her house, and I'm going to give her a stern talking to. I really hope she doesn't, but it would be her speed. I
0: mean, the only other cliffhangers I've, like, had rivaling emotional reactions to has been um, the end of Written in My Own Heart's Blood by Diana Gabaldon. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But yeah, ending a trilogy with a cliffhanger is a specific type of cruel.
1: But I, I totally can see her doing it as like a setup for like another series in the world or something. Like you just can see it happening. Um, and I, I'm hoping that maybe we'll get out of it this time. But we'll see. Only one way to, to find out. Truly. So the second one that we skipped uh, is Foul Lady Fortune by Chloe Gong, which is a spinoff of her These Violent Delights duology. And it follows um, one of Juliet's cousins. I should have pulled up the synopsis. It's Rosalind. Yes, there we go. So I actually have not read much about it other than I like Chloe Gong. The cover is gorgeous. Clover, the character the- was great, so...
0: Yeah, the cover is unrivaled. It will be interesting to see Rosalind take a little bit more of a um, head roll in some of this stuff and and get it from her perspective. So I'm definitely excited to read that one, too. I mean, I'm going to be excited to read
1: literally everything on this list. I feel like I should just stop repeating that. (laughs) That seems fair, but it looks good. Cover, like Bailey said, unrivaled. I'm very excited to have it on my shelves. Uh, But yeah, so that's all September 27th. So good... uh, Good day for books. Bad day for my wallet. <laughs> Aren't they all? I really yeah. need to learn to spend less money on books. I just am so impatient at the library that like
0: I you know, I'm not <laughs> willing to wait 18 weeks for a book.
1: Yeah, gosh, which one Nicole recommended one to us today that I immediately went to add to my shelf on the library app. Um, which one? Sorry, I need to know which one she did. Why am I so bad at scrolling through group chats? I don't know. It's been a long okay, day. little se- little little secrets by Jennifer Hillier. Um, so I immediately added it to my Goodreads shelf, and the wait time is like several months wait, and I'm like eighty first in line, and there's only one copy available. Um, I didn't immediately buy it, but I think I probably will end up buying it because. I love Nicole's recommendations. But anyway, it's too long to wait. Yeah, it is. I mean, I just get
0: annoyed because it's like, I don't know, I have friends who have other libraries and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Usually it's only like a week or two. And I'm like, no, legitimately, a lot of things that I want to read are somewhere in the double-digit week range. Mm-hmm. And at some point, like... Yeah, I just have to start buying some books.
1: Yeah. I also, I like, I think that book collect- collecting is its own hobby. And there's a lot to talk about in terms of, like, overindulgence and stuff like that and um, overconsumption. But I have a lot of bookshelf space. And I like pretty books. So it it's just a hobby that I've decided I'm okay with.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. It's, it's what you want to spend your own money on. You're an adult. You're still... Housed and fed. mm mm-hmm, Mhm, mhm.
1: Yep. Anyway, right. so um, what is on. bad vibes only? Okay, so bad vibes only is a nonfiction like collection of essays that comes out October eleventh. Uh, did I say the author's name? It's by Nora Mc- McInerney. And I don't quite remember what put this one on my radar, other than I it was definitely a TikTok, and I can't remember how the book talker was recommending it but it was one that was like yeah for sure that sounds like something I would like um and the author hosts a podcast called Terrible Things for Asking which I think is very uh, a very funny podcast name I think I've listened to a couple of episodes but not anytime recently um but the synopsis says Nora McInerney does not dance like no one is watching in fact she dances like everyone is watching which is to say she does not dance at all which is like an instant sell to me like very relatable yeah, I relate
0: to that very deeply
1: yeah so the cover's cute it's got a little limit on it but it's called bad vibes only and other things I bring to the table and I just think of it that I'm gonna enjoy it I've been really enjoying um a select celebrity memoir and or book of essays and i just saw on goodreads did you just read i'm glad my mom died also
0: yeah i caved and bought it on audible even though my credit doesn't come in for like eight more days because i mm-hmm. was not i needed to take a break between binging Meg and miranda books like you can only listen to the same audiobook narrator for so long
1: so mm-hmm. i did
0: i did read it um i have some thoughts about it just kind of like everyone's like, oh my gosh, it was life-changing. And I don't know if it's because I did not have similar experiences to Jeanette McCurdy, but I did not find it to be life-changing. I thought it was very good. I thought she was very open, vulnerable, and there were some good insights. But it wasn't like, you know, I don't know. I think, I honestly think it's because I didn't
1: connect with some of those experiences. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I, did you like watch iCarly growing up? No. Okay. So I also, like, my childhood was not traumatic pretty much in the slightest, and especially not on the level that Jeanette McCurdy's was. Um, but I was a big fan of iCarly, and so I, like, sort of grew up with Jeanette McCurdy. And then, like, seeing all of the stuff that has come out about her life and then hearing it all, like, from her respective, especially the audiobook, was so um, well narrated because she narrated it. Uh, I really, really, I, like, I almost feel like enjoyed is not the right word because so much of the stuff in the book was, like, horrendous. Definitely not enjoyable things, yes. But it certainly, it certainly impacted me, um, very deeply. I also, like, similar to you, you not really getting people calling it life-changing, I feel like a lot of people have referred to it as funny, and, I, like, I did not find the book that to book be funny. That book was not funny.
0: <laughs> no.
1: no. And it's allowed I to think- not be funny. Sure, sure. I think that you can say that she handles, a, like, she approaches a lot of the content in it, like, with good humor. Um, and, like, she has, is, like, in a good place. And so she can kind of, like, be like, that's weird that that happened. Um, but nothing that happened in that book was funny.
0: Yeah, I think that's the other part of it is that, I don't know, I guess I've seen just so many posts on, like, our books and probably on my, like, Goodreads feed and stuff where people are like, this book was so good, it was life-changing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it was a very good book, but it was not like, I don't, I, I just felt like some of the language around it isn't necessarily fitting with the content of what actually happened. It, it sort of downplays the extent of the seriousness of what happened to her, even though she mm-hmm. does, as you said, approach it in what appears to be a lighthearted tone of voice.
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm not even sure. Sure, I would say lighthearted. Just like she, like she has healed somewhat from it and can kind of look back on it without like proselytizing about it. I guess is kind of how I feel. Um, but yeah, that, those are totally valid feelings. But I like it was one of my five star reads for the year. I th- thought think it was very impactful, very um, interesting, and I think I think it's pretty important too, especially. Just for, I think people need to know like what goes on in Hollywood, and I think that Jeanette McCurdy is a very, like, outlier of a case. I don't think most child actors go through something nearly as terrible and traumatic as what she went through, but I think that a lot of child actors go through a little bit of what she has gone through, and I think it's something that we should like be aware of. I mean, I think we've seen
0: it over and over again with people who come out and say all these things, or child actors who continue acting into adulthood and then have um you know other things that happen down the line and they come out and they're like yeah my childhood acting was horrible for me and this was all repressed reaction
1: yeah i totally agree with everything you said uh anyway my recommendation would be to read it and also i guess we can keep moving down our list yeah
0: (laughs) we did get distracted but in a reasonable way i feel
1: like this is the chaos episode. That's what that's what this episode is for. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: I'm saying this one doesn't even seem that chaotic. It's it's related because we <laughs> truly don't b- read a lot of uh, like nonfiction or memoirs or anything like that. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, October 25th we have the Atlas Paradox by Olivia Blake. As we know, I am totally feral for the Atlas Six, so I'm very excited for the sequel.
0: I'm excited for Resolution. Like, I want, I, and I don't think we're going to get it, but, like, A Girl Can Hope.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. That's fair. I don't know. I don't know if it's meant to be, like, a duology or a series even, um, which I probably should know considering how obsessed I am with it, but I'm very excited.
0: It says it's the long-awaited sequel to the dark academic sensation The Atlas Six, guaranteed to have even more yearning, backstabbing, betrayal, and chaos.
1: hmm Inject it into my veins, so
0: it will be interesting to see where it goes. For sure, I'm very yeah. excited about it. It'll probably be something that takes me a little longer to read, just because lately I've been a very like emotional or like mood reader. And Atlas Paradox, I'll either like not be into it, or all of a sudden I'll shut down and I'll want to do nothing but read it for the duration of the the novel. But we'll see.
1: Yeah, I've been thinking a-, a lot about, like, just how I'm reading this year, and I kind of landed on, literally today, I was having this thought that, you know, how people talk about, like, intuitive eating, where they just eat whatever they think their body is craving? Um, I've been intuitive reading this year, where, like, like I've not been worrying about, like, what is on my TBR so much as just, um, like, what is going to nourish my, like, brain and my soul right now.
0: Yes uh agreed i've also been doing that where it's just like what do i need out of reading right now today and fuck whatever else needs to be done which i'll be honest hasn't been the best for our podcast content but
1: is what i need (laughs) no it really hasn't (laughs) we're both falling behind on our assignments but um but i feel like emotionally i'm doing pretty well right now so that's a win
0: we have a fucking deadline for our assignment the lost medal comes out november 15th skipping ahead spoiler (laughs) warning
1: yeah that okay that's true although are we we i guess now is maybe not the time to talk about it but are we gonna read all six and or seven books or just the first trilogy
0: now we fucking have to let's (laughs) just wait till after november 15th and do just an episode on all of them
1: i mean i guess that means uh we like we need to readjust our deadline um but i like i would be down for that i have been loving i'm like i haven't made a lot of progress on the third book this past week but i've been really enjoying the first trilogy of um mistborn by brandon sanderson if you have not caught on well yeah that's what i'm saying though like it's
0: something that we're going to cover with a november 15th release date for the lost metal then we could just allow that deadline for the first six to be like prior to november 15th and then give ourselves a, a turnaround time on the the release of the lost metal and then do it
1: yeah I could I'd be down for that I think that that seems doable
0: I, I I have not finished the first one of the first trilogy yet so I have a lot of catching up to do
1: oh yeah that that's a lot more on you like you will have like five plus books to read in, in a little over a month I only have three plus but we'll we'll talk um we'll offline. offline about it yeah yeah <laughs> um, and actually, because we need, we need, like, a new slate of episodes. For... Isn't that
0: two months away? I have two months. It's fine. Two
1: Wow. Why did I forget October? It's the best month. You're right. You're right. We're totally fine.
0: I was like, no, I have two months. I'm fine. If I could finish Prior Year of the Orange Tree in, like, a day and a half, I can do this.
1: That's very true. That's extremely true.
0: Skipping cool. back. The World We Make <laughs> by N.K. Jemins- Jemisin is coming out November 1st. So that is the sequel to The City We Became.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I did not realize that there was going to be a sequel to The City We Became because I felt like it it concluded in a reasonable, like, I don't know. I feel like it wrapped up enough that a sequel wasn't necessary. That being said, N.K. Jemisin wrote it, so I am going to read it, like, mm-hmm. without yeah, a
1: doubt. 100%. I so I still have not read The City We Became. It's one that I'm really excited to uh, read, but it's one that I put a lot of weight behind. And I feel like a lot of times, some of the books that I'm like most excited for and really want to like give the most attention, like that's when I really have to be in the right headspace for it. And I just haven't been, but I think now that the sequel is coming out, it will help me kind of get in that headspace and so that I can read them closer together
0: yeah the um audiobook version was very cool because it is soundscaped I love that so it was very enjoyable to to listen to that one because I felt like it really added to the feeling of of the city and I'm hoping that um the world we make will also be soundscaped. I assume so because in in everything I've seen the re- reaction to that was very positive
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, very excited for that one. And then speaking of books that we go absolutely feral over, on November 8th, we have the sequel
0: to To Legendborn.
1: To Legendborn. For some reason, I was looking at Bloodmarked, and I could not pull the word Legendborn into the front of my brain. So thank you for jumping in there. No problem. I was hoping
0: you would. Uh, Tracy writes books that we live for. Bloodmarked is going to be the next one. And I've seen some ARCs get delivered like on my TikTok and my Twitter. And oh my gosh. number one, I am so jealous of them. They mm-hmm. deserve them. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for them. But I want the damn book.
1: I know. I want it so bad. It's so, it's so soon, though. Like you said, two months. Yeah. It's almost here.
0: I know. Enough time to reread it, probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I actually, I've almost re-read it several times this year and then i was like no i need to wait until we're closer to the sequel so i don't forget everything again right as i am want to do but i'm so excited the The world is just so rich it's so detailed and lovely and the characters are great and uh, like i can't contain my my excitement over this yeah one.
0: i'm really hoping we get to see brie come even more into her own in terms of like Now she's less confused about the world that she's been thrust into.
1: Well, now she's fucking Arthur, too. Like, that was kind of the whole journey of the first book. And, like, now she's the king, baby.
0: Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what goes down in that one. I hope the uh, circumstances are not too uh, world-ending. But we'll see. Mm -hmm. We will see. Uh, Uh,
1: You out of this next one. I don't know this one.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to say, then, obviously, we breezed over uh, The last Medal by... As Katie so helpfully put it, Brandy Sandy. And (laughs) I tend to not read State of the Sanderson's, so I didn't even realize this one was coming out. Until someone else texted me, and then I was like, oh, sweet, fun. Uh, Yeah, so following that, on November 29th, Saint will be released. So Fable is by Adrian Young. It's like a YA pirate novel. Mm. It's like very, um, it's Fable and, uh, oh God, I'm blanking. But they were really good, and I really liked them as sort of, like, they're good. I feel like it's a pretty decently developed world, Um, and I'm really excited because... Oh, Namesake is the second one. Mm. Saint is a prequel about her parents. Like, the main character is Fable, and Saint is about mostly her dad, who's, like, a very mysterious and, like... Troubling figure in the the other novels, so I'm excited to read that one. It's definitely one of my go tos for like um, easy reading when my brain doesn't want to do a whole lot. That's what I need.
1: Mm-hmm. So that sounds fun. That's awesome. I do love I do love YA pirates, so maybe I'll have to look into that.
0: Yeah, it really specifically scratches that itch. I'm not going to pretend it's the most like literary competent novel literarily competent novel I've ever encountered or that it's saying anything particularly insightful or new but Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it because it's fun
1: Mm -hmm. that's good then following that on November sorry following that on December 6th we have a book I'm really excited about called never ever getting back together which obviously I'm already sold because the title is a Taylor Swift reference yes yes and then it's by Sophie Gonzalez, who wrote Perfect on Paper, which is a, a YA romance that I really, really liked. And basically the, like, logline for this book is that it's kind of like John Tucker must die meets The Bachelor, but it's also queer. So the premise, as I understand it, is that this man goes on basically The Bachelor, but it's, it's like, specifically for, like, second chance love so they bring on a bunch of his exes and um, a bunch of his exes who he like spurned and they're like there to i think like ruin his life i might be mixing stuff up i haven't actually read the synopsis in the last day or so but and uh the the women are like basically there to like show him what's what and they end up really bonding and i think there's like some bisexual romance so i'm very excited it sounds really fun
0: yeah i've seen some uh rumblings of that on on Talk. And I did not realize that it was by the author of Perfect on Paper, so I will be interested in that as well. It'll probably be like the one romance that I read.
1: (laughs) And then on December 27th, Nine Liars by Maureen Johnson comes out, which I think we've mentioned on the pod a couple of times recently, but it is going to be the fifth book in the Truly Devious series, which is a YA detective mystery thriller series that i am obsessed with
0: yes i tried to listen to one and i don't think i want to listen to him again i need to go back to reading it but i'll definitely be reading their, their
1: narrator is very peculiar she's got a very odd cadence and it's one that i've kind of gotten used to because i've listened to these books a bunch of times but it is a little bit um harder to get into i think
0: Yeah, it wasn't terrible. It just didn't captivate me the same way, like, physically reading it did. So I'll definitely have to switch back Mm -hmm. in December once I've read all these other books and finally catch
1: up. (laughs) Yeah, sometime in the distant future.
0: Speaking of distant future, A Day of Fallen (laughs) Night by Samantha Shannon isn't out until February 28th. So A Day of Fallen Night is the sequel to, well sequel is like not the best word I guess but it is um in the prior of the orange tree universe
1: yeah. yeah I don't I think it's definitely not a direct sequel like, um, but I'm trying to double check now because it's definitely ooh, stunning standalone prequel so okay. it is I don't think it's like a direct prequel either like I don't think it's the same characters or anything but it is um it's set before Priory and in the same world.
0: And it has some of, it has characters that we've heard of, like, um, in, in histories, especially for the Queen of Venice, but like, it will be very exciting to read it. And I know that she, Samantha Shannon has repeatedly said that she wasn't done with the world of a Priory of the Orange Tree. And I will take anything that she's willing to write in the world, Because I love it. I love dragons. And also, I love her characters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um,
1: I'm excited. I'm excited to see if she kind of like, because I loved Priory, but I like we had a lot of issues with it, too, especially regarding pacing. And so I'm interested to see, like, whether she learned lessons from that or whether like, just kind of how this one turns out. But I know regardless, we're going to enjoy it.
0: So, looking at the Goodreads, um, it says the hardcover is 880 pages, so I'm going to go ahead and guess that she did not learn a lot <laughs> of lessons in regards or, to or pacing. Maybe,
1: maybe it actually deserves to be that long. There are, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm really, I'm really excited for it, and it, the cover is pretty, so... There are
0: very few books, in my opinion, that deserve to be 880 pages long, and I've read many books over that length. <laughs> like... I don't know. um, Ken Follett, I guess, has a pass for me for those. (laughs) Uh, I did read The Evening and the Morning in one fucking sitting.
1: Jesus Christ, Bailey.
0: I didn't do anything that day. (laughs) I read for like seven hours.
1: I I I appreciate that about you. That's why you're one of my favorite people.
0: (laughs) It was like a January day. Like, what was I supposed to do? Run? No. Right. Never,
1: in my opinion.
0: Well, it's been a while since we haven't caught you guys up, but I, bum, uh, I have a bum knee now and I can't run, so
1: <laughs>
0: I'm feeling the physical and emotional pain of the never run comment. <laughs> <laughs> but my ACL will be back and better than ever by January for Run Disney.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I believe in you. Uh,
0: so yeah, that's that's our kind of our final book that we're looking forward to right now pretty heavy on the early fall but that's also because a lot of publishing stuff gets released the closer you get so of course we know Mm -hmm. about the stuff in three weeks versus the stuff in in three months six months whatever
1: Mm -hmm. but yeah lots of lots of good stuff coming out uh for the at the end of the year that i am looking forward to
0: although i'm looking at the list and like all of them have a (laughs) buy-in There are very few true standalones on this on this list for us.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. Almost all of them are sequels. I feel like um, the
0: Kiss Curse you might be able to get away with it, like not reading the X Hex, but we'll see. Foul Lady Fortune might fall under the same thing. where like you might be a little bit confused about some things, but the story will be
1: separate enough. Mm-hmm. but bad vibes only of course is non-fiction so you can just go into that one however yeah you I, are. I deeply
0: do not recommend reading like Bloodmark, the atlas paradox the lost metal without <laughs> reading the other books
1: for sure I think probably an, an argument can be met made for nine liars being standalone ish especially because truly deepest like started out as a trilogy and so i feel like the first three books are really interconnected but then after that she just kept writing books with the characters so like the fourth one is like standalone ish right like it's not there's no like larger mystery connecting it to the rest of the, the universe it's almost starting to get
0: into like um detective drama connectivity mm-hmm. like it definitely helps if you've read you know all of them but you can read an independent one and still have An idea of what's going on. Kind of like I talked Mm -hmm. about with the thrillers last week. And then A Day of Fallen Night, I suspect you're going to be able to read as a standalone, given it's a prequel. Um, Mm -hmm. But you would just, I mean, you should still read Prior of the Orange Tree and then listen to our episode about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you have all the time.
0: Yeah, well... (laughs) Or you could be absolutely psychotic and read it in a day and a half. I don't know the option. The options on the table. I don't know. I
1: don't know who would do that. I can't imagine anyone that's psychotic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> zero out of ten recommend. Um, <laughs> also zero out of ten recommend what we're about to talk about next, which is um, calling people cringe for being fans of things.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that has been driving me crazy. Yeah, I just. I don't know, I
0: I feel, v- I was trying to come up with how to, like, type out these discussion points without it just being, like, get off my Tumblr lawn, you freaks. <laughs> like, I'm too old for this discussion.
1: Yeah, it truly, um, it's been cracking me up and also killing me inside. It Like, it truly feels like a rehash, which goes all the way back to our discussion that, like, TikTok's just Tumblr again, but the most um, evident instance of this that I have seen is that people apparently have been like losing their mind over of all things the Stranger Things fandom which I love Stranger Things um and I'm not like saying it's it's strange to me how rabid the fan base is I will say that but not in a bad way just in a like I don't know it's Stranger Things
0: yeah I guess maybe we just like didn't we're not in the age group that seems to be on the more rabid train, and so maybe it's just that's kind of it. But yeah, like I love Stranger Things. I went out of my way to cut out time to watch it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, but I also don't have that level of a, like a obsession with it. But I can't act as if I've never had that level of obsession with something. I mean, yeah, the Harry Potter of the the mid aughts. Like we were all there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't we we don't need to reminisce. But anyway, uh so Stranger Things fandom has been rabid and the two like pretty wild things that I have seen happen. First of all, if you're on TikTok, you have heard the Chrissy Wake Up so- song sound which is from the most recent season of Stranger Things and um you know, it it's just like fun. It's like the corn song which is popular now, good for corn kid. But what happened I guess is there was like a convention and people started singing the Chrissy Wake Up song in a large group and everyone on TikTok is then like calling them cringy and stupid were the people on TikTok alive for the Glee era
0: I mean literally no and I think that's the problem (laughs) that's fair because I'm immediately like oh (laughs) people like group singing a song in public like yeah duh
1: I don't know Uh, yeah of course yeah um But so that was the first round of, like, oh, my God, it's so cringe to, like, be a fan of something in public that I saw go around. And I, like, I know we want to stay on, like, the the fandom cringe aspect, but I do also want to say the other thing that I find pretty wild about the Stranger Things fandom is that they're literally, like, reigniting the shipping wars. Like, the... AO3 has had to, like, put in new rules. I don't know if you've... Have you seen anything about this, Bailey? No, I have only seen that people think
0: that AO3 needs a better tagging system. Which...
1: Let's put a pin on that so that oh, I can explain yeah. this to you first. Yeah. Um. So, previously, the most popular Stranger Things ship, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was Steve A... And Billy, um, who is now dead. Um, and it had, like, tons and tons and tons of... Herringrove. Herringrove. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Grove was previously the most popular ship, um, which, again, was Steve Harrington and Max's stepbrother. Billy Hargrove. Billy. And after this most recent season... Obviously, the fans are obsessed with Eddie Munson mm-hmm. as they should be. Yes. And so now the growing most popular ship is Steven Eddie or Steady. Okay. And like Steady Fix were being written at a pace where they were going to overtake Herring Fix. And Herring fans were like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, we are the most popular ship. Uh, we are going to have the most fics on AO3, which I guess is a thing. And so they started putting up, like, placeholder fics. So they would, like, upload something to AO3 with, like, a title, and, like, the description would just be, like, I'm going to write a Her and grow fic in this place. Um, and it would just be, like, an empty fic. And they would just upload it so that they could like, boost the Herring Grove fic numbers. They need the numbers, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so so AO3 AO3... has had to be like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And they've, like, had to start, like, like moderating it and, like, removing them. Ugh, that's so (laughs) annoying. That's... But also, like, pretty ingenuitive. Like, it's bad, but it just kind of amazes me the way that fandom continues to evolve. Like... I really, like, I feel like we've been around the block. I really feel like we, I thought we had seen it all. But we haven't.
0: No. And that's wild. Because it's, like, it's new canon material. Like, I would think be, you could be excited about new canon material.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: that you can add. But whatever. It's, I don't know. Is this, like, for me, this, like, being a fan in public thing, is this another thing that we can, like, blame on the the panorama? And by that, I kind of mean, like, people especially during covid when there were a bunch of stuff getting released early on like people were consuming this media like alone in their home and um you know they weren't consuming it with other people in the same way it was just all via like social media and so to, like they have never experienced the fandom in person thing and so that's why they're like oh no we don't we don't talk about it in real life Next thing you know, they're going to come up with, like, a code word or a code phrase so that they can identify fans in real life, but you don't have to be <laughs> out and out about it. And um, I wonder if they'll ask hey, about shoelaces. Okay, like your shoelaces. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, like, it's just, to me, it's just so gatekeepy to be like, well, yeah, you can be, it's okay to be a fan of something, but if if your definition of being a fan doesn't fit with my definition, then that's weird and we have a problem. Mhm. And apparently singing Chrissy wake up at like a con doesn't fit with all of these people's definition of being a fan.
1: Yeah, I think that you are totally right that a large part of it has to do with the Panini because the the group graduate that graduated high school and college during the Panacotta missed out on a lot of like in-person fan experiences, and they're sort of, especially those that graduated college, are pretty much like the elders of Gen Z, and so I feel like they're kind of setting the tone for Gen Z and how they interact with fandom. Of course, there are a couple of years older that are considered Gen Z, but a lot of those are, are kind of cuspies between Gen Z and millennials, so yeah. I think that this this group holds a lot of power as to like what the trends are, what the opinions are, stuff like that and you know they missed out on in-person fandom experience and i don't know if it's like a way to cope with that or if it's just kind of a, a resulting just just a result of how it happened but i feel like they definitely are leaning into like being too cool for fandom as opposed to embracing it
0: yeah like Cons will always be cons, like comic cons, dragon cons, whatever. And just because you've never been exposed to that or experienced that does not mean that that's like an invalid way to be a fan or that it's like a problem.
1: Just, yeah, I like, I am of the opinion that a lot of fandom stuff is cringy. I just don't think cringey is bad. You know, I feel like we've done a lot of work in the last decade to kind of reclaim cringe and kind of own it and just kind of be okay with it and I feel like it's getting slowly undone yeah it's it's
0: definitely smacking a little bit of like people aren't allowed to enjoy things anymore because Mm -hmm. the way you enjoy it is not the way I enjoy it and yeah the the just even using like the the word cringe to describe something is is sort of outside of the comfort zone I would normally use for stuff like that because it's just like yeah like I don't want to go sing in public to a song associated with my fandom. Mostly that's because I can't tell notes apart and it would be horrifically embarrassing. (laughs) Um, But that doesn't mean that other people can't do it if that's how they like find enjoyment and community and fandom.
1: Well, Bailey, if you were in an entire crowd and like the whole crowd was singing it, like you wouldn't you wouldn't sing along or you wouldn't want to? The people near me would still be able to hear me. (laughs) <laughs> um and it would
0: probably be like you and you would have to suffer because you very much so can tell notes apart
1: <laughs> i wouldn't say very well i like new music once it's been a long time though yeah i mean i wasn't uh, i
0: wasn't meaning to imply that katie has has perfect pitch i'm sorry i just mean like <laughs> m- much more <laughs> attuned to musical things
1: oh my god i'm gonna really derail us have you been have you are seen you doing a TikTok charlie Puth derailment? To- no, no, no. Oh, I'm okay. actually not. No, I'm doing a, um, the Reddit sex song derailment. Oh! That's been all I've over been TikTok. I've been afraid to
0: listen to the song, but I did read <laughs> it on Best of Redditor Updates.
1: Oh my god. You haven't heard the song at all? It's literally all over my For You page. I cannot escape it. No, I'm actively avoiding it. And if I have heard it, I haven't realized it was the song. Like, I need you to hear it, though, actually. Oh. No. <laughs> I will mute my Zoom. Ah, uh, you have to. It's
0: so bad. Oh, I'm sure it is because I've I've pretty much seen like all of the discourse around it. I just have been refusing to listen to the song.
1: (laughs) It sounds like a clown having sex.
0: Yeah, I mean, respect to her for putting up with it for that long.
1: But anyway, it's literally like it like I can't get away from the song. It's like every it's finally starting to taper off a little bit. But it was like every third video on my for you page for a full week. My for you page got really weird. And
0: there's like a wedding planner who's like things your guests will absolutely notice you skimping on. If you don't have coffee at your reception, guests will notice and they will be very upset. (laughs) OK. All right. Well, maybe grandma will just have to leave before dessert if she wants coffee, because like I, I that's I don't know. Then there were people in the comments talking about like, is this like because she's in L.A. or Southern California. Like, is this a Southern California thing? And I was like, man, I have not been to a lot of weddings where there's like obviously coffee served. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if it's like a reception hall that does all their in-house catering, yeah, there'll be like a carafe of coffee. Mm-hmm. But, like, the plated dinners I've been to, I don't remember ever having coffee. I don't know. I was just yeah. like, no, I have to survey all of my friends throughout the next couple of weeks about coffee at weddings.
1: <laughs> I I have never noticed it. But I also, I don't drink hot coffee, so I don't feel like I would have noticed it either way. Yeah. Because I can't imagine they're out here serving iced coffee at weddings. No, if they were, I would probably, um,
0: I would change my... my rules about caffeine for one night just because I would be excited but
1: oh yeah I would partake for sure in iced coffee at a wedding anyway sorry for that there was a point I was going to make about um our musical prowesses and and beats and rhythms but it seems unimportant so we can just keep going (laughs) (laughs)
0: um I guess the next like this section is kind of entitled like book talk drama which is just a catch all for like things going on in fandom spaces right now Uh, And the next one that kind of I've noticed a ton of recently is this like repetitive cycle of the author of the week where an author is like problematic and Mm -hmm. there are varying levels of problematic. Some of it is like, oh, they did just not write a very good story and some of it is like they have outright racist slurs in text. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it just feels like there's a lot of people who didn't notice it or we're not critically reading some of the things that happened. And then when it does get pointed out, they jump to, like, defend it because it's, well, it's racism, whether it's intended or not. Embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Or instead of taking a step back to be like, wow, I didn't think about it like that. I guess I have stuff to, like, to sit with. And I just feel like every week there's a new author that we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of that week, no one even remembers that person's name again.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of the discourse that's happening is really good and important, but I feel like a lot of it is also, like, discourse for the sake of discourse, almost. Um, And I feel like so many people are trying to jump through the, like, look how not racist I am hoops by pointing stuff out, and not enough people are actually like interrogating within themselves like why did I miss this you know
0: yeah no one's perfect you're not going to catch every instance especially if it's not necessarily um something that you've experienced but it's still when someone says hey this is an offensive thing or this is racism you know you have to take a step back and and not sometimes If it's not your place to talk, you just don't need to talk. And I think, like you said, that's what's happening, is it's discourse for the sake of discourse. And then what's happening is some of the very real problems and the voices that are speaking up about real problems are getting drowned out by the influx of discourse for discourse sake. It's really led me to disengage from um, online book spaces because... Um, it, it's, you have to go three to four videos deep because you can't even figure out what's actually happening. There are like three or four creators I'm going to stick with and, and we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah. I sort of like, I don't really get any, I don't really get book talk as it once was on my for you page. I like, I don't even know if it still is like that anymore, but like the, just like sitting down reviewing a book. Um, cause I feel like a lot of those creators, they get kind of repetitive. They kind of just kind of like follow the book talk script almost. And I, I don't get a lot of content like that anymore. I more get the creators that I really like and trust who do like deeper dives on more niche topics. Um, you know, like the marinaces of, of TikTok. Right. I
0: also think there's a very high pressure to like continue to produce When it came to that, like, sitting down and just talking about a series of books, like, you had to be, the volume of reading you had to keep up with was crazy, and we Mm -hmm. all have real lives. And so, yeah, it's exciting to do it when it first happens, but I can understand that kind of content fading out due to the work involved in it, and I do appreciate these more sort of in-depth and, to an extent, long-form discussions about more than just one book or someone holding up books and doing a cool transition.
1: For sure. And also, actually, like, ironically, going back to what I thought was a huge derailment with this whole like Reddit sex song thing, which the very quickest version that I can give, if you are not familiar with what's going on, is this guy posted to Reddit about how his girlfriend of two years did not like a song on his sex playlist. Um, And she like finally told him that she didn't like the song after two years. And she, um, he was like, well, I think the song is good. Like, am I, am I the asshole? And like, the song is strange. Like, I don't want to shit on anyone's music taste. It is a very weird, weird song. And it is a very weird song to have sex to. And TikTok took this Reddit thread and the song and like, it's again, it's all that's been on my free page for like a week and a half. And I was thinking about how exhausting it must be to be like someone who's like trying to be quote unquote like on top of this trend. Um and like having to post um like, oh, like is it is it to the beat or the rhythm? Is it um, you know, blah blah blah. And then this guy posted an update that he and his girlfriend have broken up and I got like forty different videos. I got like forty different videos of tiktok creators covering the breakup that there was like an update in the case and i feel like that is very book talk where like if anything happens like you have to be someone that's posting about it or you lose relevance and but then everyone's posting about it so like who can, like it, it like very quickly gets overexposed right and i mean the it's just
0: yeah you have to be able to keep up in order to maintain relevancy. And I think part of that is just the way TikTok's algor- algorithm works. And so it, it's just tough to try to balance that. And, and you know, when you feel the need to speak out doing so, but then not have people get mad at you for not speaking out when you didn't feel like you had anything constructive to add to the conversation. Like, I don't have anything constructive to add to this, like, guy and his girlfriend from Reddit breaking up over this song. So I'm I'm glad I'm not in a in a situation where I feel like I have to create content about it. I can just ignore mm-hmm. the stupid song that Katie just forced me to listen to.
1: I'm sorry. I I deeply needed you to understand what was going on. It's it's really something. I think
0: I would have that song. I would have made it like one time and I've been like what the fuck is this?
1: Yeah. I would it would be like no we have to like either no music or we have to change playlists or something right but anyway (laughs) anyway so talk uh the gift that keeps on being weird yeah that we keep feeling the need to talk about also now that's meta we spend so much time on tiktok really way too much but a lot of it is good
0: yeah it's it's there's actually some really good stuff on there it's just every once in a while like your toe gets dipped into the bad stuff and you're like god damn it Mm -hmm,
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm um
0: but in in like less awful news and less complicated discussions um we've been watching house of the dragon
1: Mm -hmm. i'm really enjoying it
0: i really like the third episode i guess this is like if you have not watched house of the dragon and you plan to uh fast forward through this or something i don't know we i'm gonna try not to do major spoilers but we might let something slip
1: yeah, um, but so this is, as of time of recording, three episodes have been released that we have seen. Yes. I really liked it. I was not entirely sold after the first and second, but
0: after this week's episode, I'm all in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am really enjoying it. I love the characters. I'm going to be, I don't know, I guess, spoilers. Are, are You're aware that, like, the, like, Rhaenyra and Alicent are going to be aging up. At some point,
0: yes, I did order Fire and Blood, but it has not arrived yet, and the U.S. Postal Service does not have any record of any scans, so I don't know when it will arrive.
1: Oh, USPS and/or shipping things. Anyway, but um, I'm going to be really sad to lose the actresses that are playing the current incarnation of Renira and Alicent because they are so good. They're so good. I really like
0: it. I really like the way that they their emotional performances as friends have come across.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of podcasts, and this is a shout out to our friend Daniel, who has asked me every week so far if I had listened to the official House of the Dragon podcast. The answer is finally yes. I listened to them all today. Um, but they do an official House of the Dragon pod uh, hosted by Greta something and um, one of my faves, Jason Concepcion. And they have interviewed, they interviewed Alicent's actor last week and they interviewed is actor actor this week and both of those are really good and one of the things that I really liked that they said and I think this has come out in some magazine articles as well is that both of them kind of uh thought there was some romantic subtext between them as friends before you know Alicent marries Viserys yeah
0: I was actually going to bring up this podcast too mostly because I really like Jason Concepcion and and Greta Johnson is <laughs> is very good too um, and it was, I knew that they did an official Game of Thrones podcast, but I had kind of forgotten about it until Daniel brought it back up the other day. So yeah, I, yeah, I listened to it today. I don't, to I don't today. remember
1: when they started the like OG one, but it was, it was, must have been pretty late into the run because I don't feel like rewatch podcasts were really a thing in early Game of Thrones days. Mm-mm. And I never listened to the original one. Maybe I should. I don't know. I actually, I have rewatched the first season of Game of Thrones I the refuse last two weeks as you should i i just house of the dragon got me so hyped and my god is the first season of game of thrones one of the best seasons of television. yeah i know
0: i mean even up through season three i was like on the hype train and then nothing and i was even hesitant to watch house of the dragon but they have not let me down yet so i will continue in the vain optimism that we all have that things that we love will continue to be good forever
1: mm-hmm. um we'll see how it goes but so far it's going well yeah. And speaking of mega fantasy, uh, Rings of Power, have you watched it? I've watched one of the two episodes. We okay. we caught up um last night, so we
0: watched the third House of Dragons and the first Rings of Power, but that honest to God is almost 3 straight hours of like fantasy television and I was like it's I cannot It's maybe too
1: much. Yeah. Yeah, I was
0: like I can't do a third episode tonight. There's just no way. Um I mm-hmm. will say that my <laughs> out of like the the big fantasy um franchises. My Lord of the Rings lore is pretty weak.
1: Oh yeah, mine is extremely weak. Like I've I've seen the movies and that's that's my entire experience with Lord of the Rings. Um I like I like it very casually, but um so I had I went into Rings of Power with pretty much no expectation. Beautifully shot show. Oh my gosh, the cinematography gorgeous. And I, like I think it's going to be good. I feel like the first episode was was Very exposition-y.
0: No idea what the fuck is happening.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to watch the second episode
0: because I took a look around Reddit. And it it seems like the second episode is, like, going to pick up more. And a lot of people are complaining that the first episode was slow. But, like, did you watch the same original trilogy that I watched? (laughs) Did you read the same original trilogy that I did? Because not a whole lot happens in the very beginning. You've got disparate Mm -hmm. storylines that are going to come together.
1: Yeah, and it's, I, it's like, n- it necessitates being slow and exposition heavy because it's this whole new take on the world that is new. Which, by the way, my favorite thing by far about the show so far has been watching the, like, Tolkien bros lose their fucking minds. I could watch Tolkien bros lose their fucking minds every day. People are so mad that it's, like, not canon or whatever. It's so funny.
0: Like, I, I, I have done my fair share of, like, complaining that something wasn't exactly like the book. And mm-hmm. oftentimes that is coming from a place of they tried to keep things that they then counteracted by the change. And I think mm-hmm. after two episodes of this, we don't know if they're keeping those things, so you can't lose your shit over it.
1: Yeah, like, it's so early that there's really no way to tell where they're going with a lot of it, especially because, like, the source material only half exists, right? Because they don't have the rights to the Silmarillion, so they can't use a lot of that. They they only have rights to, like, the appendices of the books. Um, And so they're having to kind of make a lot of it up on the fly, but... um, and like I get not enjoying things that are not canon. I've been there like Bailey said, you know, we are we can be canon defenders when it comes to it, but like the amount of like vitriol and like these 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 grown adults feel betrayed and it's very funny.
0: Yeah,
1: it yeah, there's that it
0: just I don't know. I guess it's because I think that the pursuit of a story is better than the pursuit of purity in this case. And it'll be interesting to see where they, they take it. Um, and then I, I think the other thing is people are very mad that one of the elves is a person of color, which I think is just mm-hmm. an exhausting so conversation we've had a thousand times where, like, yes, an elf can be a person of color. And th- there's no yeah. there's no, like, discussion to be had about that. If that's what you're mad about, you can go.
1: Don't be a fan oh, of this. Yeah. And same thing with, with House of the Dragon. People are very mad that Corlys Velaryon is a black person. Um, which, first of all, cope. Like, mm, deal with it. But also, I actually think that is one of the more brilliant casting decisions that they made. Because, so, the back to House of the Dragon. The Velaryons and the Targaryens are obviously both from Old Valyria. And one of the defining features is the like bright silver-gold hair. And um, making the Valerians black is a really good way to distinguish them visually from the Targaryens. because um, they're, they're both they both have the silver blonde hair. It looks great, mm-hmm. um, but you know which one's a Valerian and which one's a Targaryen. And I think that that was a really clever thing to do. Honestly,
0: yeah, and it doesn't impact the story in any way. I mean, I'm going to be honest, even zero percent like i'm having trouble game of thrones is house of dragon whatever you know what i mean is doing that thing where they're doing a lot of like um showing and not telling so you don't necessarily know who someone is when they're fucking on screen for the first time which Mm -hmm. is something i struggle with because a lot of fantasy i consume i've read the damn book Mm -hmm. and i have like insight and so when i haven't read the, the damn book i'm like who the fuck are you just chill, they're going to tell you it's how these stories work. Um, so yeah, it does work to, to show a better ability to spread between these two families, but still have the silver hair, tie them together. And I don't think it material, materially impacts the story in any way. Like, people can be people of color, and there's nothing in this world that says they can't. Like, it's just like, it's not a discussion.
1: Yeah, there, There's literally no reason to... Be upset about it, like, but I, like the, I don't, I don't understand it.
0: Like you said, cope. Yeah, cope. Deal with <laughs> like, it. But I'm really excited for both of these. I can't believe we get two giant epic fantasies at the same time. It's gonna eat up a whole lot of my Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I'm not gonna be watching Rings of Power. I know it comes out on Fridays. I'm not gonna be watching it on Fridays. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's so,
1: that's too much. Sundays are for high fantasy. <laughs> I like that yeah i've been enjoying for sure house of the dragon and i'm excited to see where rings of power goes yeah definitely so far it's definitely beating their attempts at wheel of time (laughs) hate to say that so moving on to um crap young adult books yeah what what do you have here for for bs oh i uh i read hotel magnifique oh you did
0: yeah it got you (laughs) I knew it was going to get me. I knew it was going to get me. And I did read it. <laughs> it was not as bad as... Uh, okay, so to be clear, I liked a lot of aspects of The Night Circus. And I disliked a lot of aspects of The Night Circus. Mm-hmm. I think Eric, Aaron Morganson has like a really good a way of writing that's captivating. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she quite captures enough of characters and setting to not have a plot.
1: Yeah, like, she, that's what she does really well is the characters and setting, but, like, and I, I understand why people like the Night Circus. I just found it, like, so fucking boring. Yeah, it was dull. And, and again, like, I like the way she writes. And the Starless Sea somehow
0: was even more atmospheric and yet more dull. <laughs> <laughs> so, either way, like, this, this still had the, like, YA action plot line, but had a... Had some of the aspects of, like, mysterious, we don't know where we're going, we go to a new place, everything is magic, but no one understands the magic sort of vibes. There was even, like, a little room that you get sucked into and you can't um, escape the room until you figure out, like, the puzzle in the room, which I'm, like, 90% Ooh. sure existed in the night circus, too.
1: Forced escape room.
0: Yeah. Um, I. There are definitely things that don't hold up. It's, it's like... A, it, it's a YA, like, his mystery fantasy. It was good. I read it really quickly, um, and it helped, but that's definitely the mood I've been in lately, is, like, brain-off, eyes-on, crappy fantasy. <laughs> and it crappy is such a, a derogatory word, because I don't think it's that bad. I just also don't think it was
1: anything more than, like, a three-star book. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Sometimes you need a three-star book. You know, fun light plot heavy right those are great okay and that's what it
0: was it was a great little plot heavy she's gonna save her sister (laughs) novel so i I was happy with it have have you read any
1: any uh anything that would fall in that uh, category lately nothing really that would fall into crappy ya i have been reading some lighter stuff recently that i've really enjoyed um one that I read recently was Four Aunties in a Wedding, which is the sequel to last year's Dial A for Aunties. Um oh, nice. which is really cute at like the way that Jesse Q Sutanto manages to blend comedy and mystery is inspiring. Um those books, as well as the the Finley Donovan books, are like just top-tier entertainment value in terms of the way that they are so... Like, they're comedies, and they're also, like, really compelling mystery thrillers. Um, so that one was really fun. Yeah, you're getting your also thriller, thriller fix without being, like, emotionally
0: drained <laughs> by some, like, truly evil person.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's way more, like, light and fun um, for, <laughs> for thrillers and crime. Yeah. Uh, also, I read The Queer Principles of Kit Webb recently which is a really cute historical lgbtq romance um that was really funny and lighthearted, and then a book called iona iverson's rules for commuting which was really cute it's about this lady takes the same train to work every day it's like the london underground and she always like sits in the same seat in the same car and All the people who see her commuting every day—it's like it starts out really cute because you like get each one's perspective, and they're like specifically for Iona, they all have like their own name for her. Like one just calls her the lady on the train. One calls her like the woman with the magic bag because she has like a big purse that like holds endless secrets. Um, One of them calls her Muhammad Ali because they're like Mm -hmm. she's fierce but also graceful, and so it's just cute seeing like how we kind of ascribe. people to like characters in our life when they're just like people we see all the time but don't know but anyway they like form a little friendship with all the people on the train it's really cute that sounds very cute yeah and then the last one I read was called thank you for listening and it's Julia Whalen, who is one of my very favorite audiobook narrators wrote it um and it's a like a rom-com about audiobook narrators (laughs) that's really that's really meta yeah, but it was really cute. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, that's so, good. So no crap YA, but a lot of just, like, um, good, lighthearted, brain-off kind of stuff. Nice.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing we were going to talk about is uh, just how much the group chat has
1: popped off about the Don't Worry Darling <laughs> tea. <laughs> I feel like we probably can skip this. I only added it at the end because I didn't know how long we were going to talk for. And, like, I could have talked for this length of time only about the Don't Worry Darling drama. Um, Yeah. I am so fascinated by it. I find it so funny. Um, I'm also, like, I'm still excited for the movie. I remember when it was, like, first announced and it was somebody tweeted the cast and they're, like, Olivia Wilde, Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, Harry Styles, Gemma Chan, and somebody like retweeted the cast announcement and was like, Olivia Wilde really said, I am gonna create a movie that is so bisexual. Um, and I've been excited for it ever since.
0: I know literally nothing about the actual content of the movie. I just um know the drama. So but yeah, we can (laughs) we don't have to like rehash it here. I think we've got a pretty good episode. Just know that we are watching and waiting for more don't worry darling drama and I'm gonna maintain sure. at this point that Harry Styles is actually a mess and people <laughs> are, definitely are letting him off easy out of this by really
1: playing up Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh oh for sure I think he is definitely messy I do I have come to the unfortunate conclusion that I don't think that he spit on Chris Pine I don't think he did either but I think it's funnier if he did so I'm gonna keep saying that I believe that he did um, cause I think it's funny that's fine um, and you can think it's
0: funny because we are right. And we should say it. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be
1: magic. Oh. oh, oh. Prose Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips. Our theme song is by Anna Voss. And our logo is by Baby Truth Collection. If you enjoy the podcast liking and subscribing would really help us grow and we'd appreciate it we'll see you in a couple weeks